1: Hello and welcome back to The Shot Podcast. I'm Joe Dyer and I'm here in Sydney, as ever, with Charles Firth. Hello. Uh, joining us from Hobart, the interminable Grace Tame. day. And coming back for his second appearance on The Shot Podcast. From Canberra, we have John Delmenico. Hello. Now, John is joining us today uh, because he wrote an article uh, for The Shot last week in which he talked about the non-existent Yes campaign. And I think it's fair to say that there has been some concern amongst all progressive thinking Australians that so far the Yes campaign hasn't been getting the traction that we would like and the polls, unreliable as they may be and indeed often are, have been trending in the wrong direction. The trajectory is not what you would call positive. Mm. Lots of people have views on this and certainly we're hearing from Canberra that once the campaign gets out of Canberra Mm. and is amongst the people... That is where traction will occur. Uh, but, John, you're still worried, it's fair to say?
2: I am concerned, based on just everything we've seen so far, that there doesn't really seem to be any like, indication that they're going to change directory. Mm. It's like they're doing the same thing that we saw in the UK for the Brexit stay campaign, which led to uh, the stay campaign being uh, wiped out despite being the default choice, which means that, yes, has an even bigger uphill battle here. This whole like strategy of big business and not talking about any of the nuance seems to not be working, and for some reason there's just no sign that they want to shift gears like 10 months into it not working. Mm.
1: No, I think that they're look, clearly... As we've discussed before, the overarching strategy was originally get into the weeds as little as possible, mm. so that that can't be used to throw dust in our eyes. That um, that if you get mired in the complexity, that's where you open up the possibility of mm. if you don't know, vote no, as opposed to if mm. you don't know get off your ass and find, find out. out. Yes. Um, so everybody always talked about the failure of the pro- Republican referendum as indicating that what we should have done first is just gone for that a plebiscite on the broad issue. Do you think that Australians should have an Australian head of state? And then once that had been established and supported um, with enthusiasm, presumably by all of the country, that that's when you could start talking about the model. So the principle first, detail later. And clearly that is the playbook that now the Labor Party in particular, are deploying. But now, of course, we have, and it is a disingenuous and it is a cynical campaign that's coming from um, the other side of politics and the opposition, um, saying, well, where is the detail? But the fact is, is that it does at the moment seem to be working.
3: Hmm. I feel like what's happening is the Yes campaign is staggering around with sawdust in their eyes in a room full of sawdust going, well, at least we don't have more sawdust than there is at the moment. If we just stick to the strategy, we'll only have this much sawdust in our eyes.
1: And, you know, even with a small amount of sawdust in your eyes, it it can be hard to actually see out of said eyes. Mm. But look, it is also the case that the campaign is starting to ramp up. I mean, not a moment too late or too soon, you'd think. Mm. Um, but so, for example, I have now started to – there is a big event on Sunday, the 2nd of July. So in all capital cities around the country there are going to be big community days and they have, the Yes campaign, Yes 23 is the official website, has now started to send out information about that and to try and marshal the volunteers and turn it much more into the community independent style campaign where mm. you do gather support from the grassroots and then you start to see this sort of upswell in a way that people weren't necessarily expecting. Before you know it, every second person's wearing a, you know, Yes 23 t-shirt and off we go on a wave of
2: enthusiasm to success uh, at the referendum. Well, well, I mean, that's the strategy. One weird thing with that strategy, which I, I linked to an ABC article in my article that like talks about that because one weird thing that they catch internal criticism from is that they're not doing anything to bring on board anyone who's done grassroots campaigns before and it's this like really weird thing of like um get up put their hands up because they're run by indigenous people and they got told like they just got completely ignored the people who organized who organized the invasion day rallies they also are getting like not brought in but and do you think that might just be weird...
1: because it's like people are getting their ducks in a row? I mean, look, and to be honest, Get Up. I mean, look, I love Get Up. I love what they stand for. But have they really had much impact on Australian <laughs> politics for all of the colour and movement that, that I mean, look, don't come at me, I, Get Up people? Honestly, the main thing I know about
2: Get Up is from Charles, is from the Chaser sketch a couple of years ago that was like, Get Up and vote Labour.
1: Yeah. I mean, if that's the only <laughs> thing you really know about Get Up, are they really cutting through? I mean, when I was running as the independent in Boothby, there was a lot of them and they were, you know, creating more little how-to-vote cards, that they would stand next to everybody else handing out how-to-vote cards and giving everyone, you know, point systems for how progressive they were and you kind of thought, well, we could probably do that ourselves. I don't know that having you there is value-adding that much, Get up, Although I think your intent is good, Get mm. up, don't get me wrong. Um, but I guess it is that thing, is it like are we now starting to see, I mean, if you think about the community independence campaigns, like a lot of them hadn't even picked their candidates bef- by the end of the year and then come May they won. Um, now, that's a very small localised um, sample, of course, uh, and we need to that's see that a, happening everywhere. That's
2: also longer time period than we're going to have for the vote probably.
1: October 14, by all accounts, after the footy finals. That's what everybody was saying, although, you know, we've, if it looks like we're still in dire straits, whether or not that can be pushed back. But Thomas Mayer well, was the, saying... the, the, the
3: legislation p- is that it's got to be held within six months of the legislation being passed. So. And
1: if it goes... Much later than that, then you get into wet season in the Territory and that's bad for access to polling booths um, Mm. for a lot of people living outside of the cities. So, you know, October 14 is probably still our key, uh, most immutable deadline um, for this.
3: Mm. I've got a strategy.
1: Uh, Yes. Oh, yeah?
3: Which is I reckon at the last minute (laughs) they should change the question... So it's, do you not want a voice? <laughs> and then anyone who votes yes, yeah. you know, is yeah, exactly I see. So it's like the bait and switch voice. kind yeah, of, yeah. Exactly. And then I reckon it would get up in all states and territories.
1: <laughs> Do you think? So there was a little bit of, uh, we've had Cause, two... Because I
3: think the thing is, it's going to actually be a small change, right? It's not the world's most profound... Th- like, it's good. It's good. Don't get me wrong. But it's not a radical change. Like, if there wasn't a referendum on it and it happened, it wouldn't actually... Like, people's day-to-day lives wouldn't be drastically affected No, by they it, wouldn't at all. Right? It, I mean, it's already I up mean, it's... and
1: happening in a legislative way in, in South yeah, Australia. And just... really no one has had any impacted on their lives at all except for the indigenous peoples who can it now is, give advice in it, a formalized structure
3: it is literally the least we can do is to be polite yep. about asking indigenous people on legislation that affects them what they think about it is literally the least that is we indeed, can
1: do and constitutionally yep. is precious, is so that it can't
2: not be
3: what we're going. No, no but but i think i think There is a point which is that hasn't been brought up by the Yes campaign, which is, I think, very strong in favour of the Yes campaign, which is it is, in fact, more impolite to ask people their opinion and then ignore them, which is entirely allowed in this legislation. Like, mm. I would have thought that people on the conservative side of politics would like this because actually it is ruder to go, oh, yeah, have a voice to parliament and then we'll ignore you. It's, it, you know, after you've asked them and to their face they've told you something and you go, oh, well, we're just ignoring you anyway. So in actual fact, if you are racist or, and want to annoy indigenous people, and be impolite to them. Voting yes is, actually, is the I way because, because it's actually a more so impolite. So we should what we well, not
1: what what the yes campaign are not doing is promoting the racist yes, yes. strategy. That's, I think I think they've that's got to been tap been their in mistake,
3: the rich vein of racism. Yeah, that uh, that will deliver. you think deliver. that that's
2: what Albo was tapping into. Um, <laughs> what is last night, based on the time of recording, when Albanese said that. Uh, He thinks the problem with the entire campaign is that the media is listening to Indigenous voices who aren't in the Yes campaign and that they should stop doing that. Well, I mean, I think... Because he's called for the media to ignore Lydia Thorpe completely. I don't think you should like- ignore Lydia. I do think you should ignore Jacinta Price
1: because so far she's just a facile IPA kind of spokesperson and has done nothing of any value at all before being seized upon with glee and alacrity by the opposition to promote because she will be a vessel for their racist campaign. So I think we're happy to, to ignore Jacinta. Lydia, not so much. And I think there, look, I, mean, I think there is, I mean, Celeste Little's piece in The Guardian, I think, also uh, went into this uh, when she was saying, you know, the yes campaign is is asking me to put my faith into a a party, a political party, the Labor Party, but also institutions that have failed us consistently every time. Mm. So be ambivalent about that is actually just good sense. Um, Mm. But, of course, her reservations, which are valid um, and wise, are that to then be no, yes, you've got sort of Lydia, but you're basically aligning yourselves with the dregs of... um, The spokespeople are the dregs, and I'm not going to get into the basket of deplorable error, but the actual spokespeople, the Hansons, the Duttons, um, the Jacintas, you know, these people who have contributed nothing but racism and division to our community. So you don't want to align yourself with them as an Indigenous person who's generally just ambivalent about, you know, putting faith in colonial structures um, and ideas such as, um, well, this, I mean, I think the answer to that as I will immediately smoothly segue into, is, of course, that this it has to be implemented by white institutions um, because that's the nature of the constitution. But the ideas sprang from, um, Mm. you know, the local regional communities Um, and I think that's what Megan Davis has gone into so well uh, in her um, upcoming, well, it's just out now, quarterly essay.
2: Well, I think that, like I said a lot in the article, I do think that a big issue that yes is falling into is that Albo is trying to like small target this campaign yeah and so he's avoiding talking about any of the nuance or any of the like genuine good faith criticisms of the voice some of which are like wanting to make sure to strengthen the voice mm. um or like solidify it because um, like one of the big concerns right now is around who decides what does and doesn't get asked to the voice because like if that's decided by the government then if dutton wins he's just never going to talk to the voice mm. and it's that like thing of just uh we even saw it with like thomas mayo and um kathy wilcox on the weekend on twitter that thing of like that just pretending that there's absolutely no like nuance at all and that there's no genuine cause for debate and to just ignore them all and it's like any vote the voters who are unsure and then see like good faith like Wanting to debate or wanting to get clarification, and then just having that shut off. Are just going to not trust the system if they're refusing to even like acknowledge that there is stuff to talk about with the system because there's stuff to talk about with every system, and everyone knows that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think um, that was some of the points that George Brandis was raising in his article, um, where he was saying, you know, there is inf- people have genuine questions. Not all of them are coming from the space of. We're concerned that it might not be strong enough um, You know, because of the way the debate has played out. A lot of it is also about that. We're concerned that somehow um, it'll gum up the whole system and everything will be justiciable. And despite the fact that some of the leading constitutional lawyers and ex-judges in this country have said. Guys, it's fine Mm. Um, because of the misinformation, um, the flooding with shit kind of strategy that the Dutton and the opposition are Mm. employing this idea that somehow it is going to undermine our system Mm. of government. Um, And so you're asking genuine questions about that to just say, don't be silly. You're listening to racist Dutton. Mm. Nothing to see here. Move on isn't actually elucidating the yes. situation in any meaningful way. And
3: I wonder whether, therefore, they just do need to t- change tack and announce what the model will be. Like, isn't, isn't the way to put to bed bad faith sort of fear campaigns is to say, no, 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 it's going to be, what, 15, 20, 30 people. They'll all be funded this much and here's the legislation and it's not scary, it's just...
1: Well, look, I mean, that is the Carmel-Langton model that hmm. is there, but that there has been, as John says, the small target strategy deployed. So hmm. if we're going to open up and be a big target, then, you know, there'll be ways that that will be hmm. used against the campaign as well. But I,
3: I think fundamentally what it shows is that the people who are sort of at the very centre of setting the strategy of this don't necessarily trust Australian people. You know, they don't... They have let us
1: down before, Charles. <laughs> but
3: they don't. They don't trust that there'll be that you can have, as John said. There, there'll be this good faith debate to to actually, you know, they don't trust us with the model, and so of course the, the result of that is well, okay, I don't trust you either. Like it's just like yeah,
1: tit for tat. Yeah,
3: I don't know. Especially given, like, I was totally on board with let's be vague and make it all about you know the principle just the the vibe right yeah. but it clearly is not going to work like it's clearly going to fail Like I mean in the last
2: couple of days we've had the yes campaign going that the polling was wrong to saying that oh actually our internal polling is also showing that fall is happening as well and mm. it's like so then that means that clearly that's a sign that you should try something different mm.
3: although uh, I must say it is true that it is long-held strategic law within the Labor Party that you never change strategy. The whole thing is to have a strategy and then to not re- – because actually changing strategy just gets more confusing. You're better off just sticking to your strategy regardless.
1: As you go over the cliff. As you go over the cliff. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure about that. Well, look, I think we will see on mm. Sunday there's going to be um, a vast array of genuine grassroots um, events where hopefully there'll be a big wave of enthusiasm and that is everywhere from you know Sydney it's happening in um uh, Albert Park uh, and I believe it that well that I believe they are happening everywhere and this will be kicking off the kind of the community led section of the campaign and
4: sorry I've just been listening um and I'm just going to call bullshit on Ooh. a lot of what you've been saying um, sorry Um, But first of all, um, I wonder why anybody thinks that um, any of the sources of the No campaign are legitimate in the first place. Um, Sky News, not really news. The Australian, arguably, not really news either. So you could probably just wipe out a significant portion of the No campaign as being invalid. Um, And we can look at the Yes campaign, major exponents like Tila Reid, a great Aboriginal lawyer. She uh, runs the Black Matters podcast. I would recommend listening to that if you haven't heard of it. Um, Curly Saunders, she's a great um, Aboriginal writer. Um, Nessa Turnbull-Roberts is a great source of information. She's also a lawyer Um, Debbie Kilroy is somebody who you should um, listen to uh, the voice of and look into the work of. Um, She might not be talking about the voice directly, but she's somebody who is really, really great, um, who does really good work for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community community. June Oscar has talked about um, Australia being ready for the Indigenous voice to Parliament. So uh, with all respect, I think it is absolute bullshit that the Yes campaign hasn't been uh, running or isn't working. It's perhaps just uh, a matter of questioning your sources.
1: No, I don't, I mean, I, I think I know all of those, those writers and, and, and have listened to a lot of what they had to say. I think the, po- the broader point, though, is it cutting through to the broader community who is not as engaged uh, on the issue generally, and or is the fact that the amplification of the no mm. campaign through these media outlets. I mean, look, mm. to be honest, I don't think it, no one reads the Australian and no one watches Sky. Um, but then they come through to the ABC the way the um, and yeah, you, yeah. Who, who wrote about this? Um, well, really Dave Milner
3: very evocatively said that the ABC's whole thing is to just bring on Sky News presenters and Australian reporters and it, because they like punching Turnbull in the face. Nessa
4: Turnbull-Roberts is often on the drum. She's mm. on the drum a lot. The drum yeah, is, Nessa I Turnbull think, Roberts, a noble
2: exception. So I mean, they so – oh, the, the drum is one where it's very hit or miss. Um, yeah, sure. It's a drum.
4: But like,
2: yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, yeah. in the article that I wrote, I a lot of the people that Grace said were the direct people that I linked to or sourced. And it is just weird that, like even some of their things where they're like we should be discussing like this is where the topic should be again, like ref- there's just outright like refusal from the public facing faces of yes, like Albanese of that, and it's just like it's have just you weird listened
4: it's, like, have you listened to Taylor Reed, recite the Uluru statement from the heart, have you listened to that? I yes. dare you to go and listen to her just recite that from memory.
1: Yeah, no, and look, our, Thomas Mayo does as well uh, when they were doing their book tours. And, and there was not a dry eye in the audience, but there was only 300 people in that audience. And let's face it, they were probably already go- not only going to be committed mm. yes voters but um, hand out how to vote cards on mm. referendum day. So I think the, the the question is how do we ensure that these voices are heard by a wider section of mm. the community? So yeah. that it carries and, in this really arcane and, and difficult kind of um, and, model. And Grace, you're right. Like I mean, the voting model. It's not shitty the model.
3: that Murdoch exists, right? Like, but it's not. <laughs> it's not
1: <laughs> it's,
3: but it's not true that he doesn't have influence. He has enormous influence. Like, actually, seventy percent of Australia's print media is Murdoch. Like, yeah. he has unbelievable oh, yeah. influence. And and I suppose you can wish away the idea that. Yeah, well, they're brain, invalid because they're all cancer. fuckwits. He
4: is a brain, cancer, but they exist.
3: Yeah. The, but, but Murdoch does exist. Like that's the problem. Like you're absolutely right. Like, there's all these great, you know, sort of people saying really cogent things about yes, but it's it's but not, not enough. If you've got a thumb on the scale that's yeah. actually a massive part of the media infrastructure in this country, then you do have to you have to adjust to that reality don't you
1: so i think well look let's wait and see i think
4: Should, so that i think yeah i think i think perhaps you know then the part of where i see the the well the change needing to happen is you know and and you know i perhaps i need to start doing this as well you know is rather than a lot of white um allies, um, you know, offering too much context, you know, like I, you know, when I I do a lot of grassroots campaigning still, even as a um, foundation um, and sometimes I will see that because um, there's that balance and we, we talked about it last time when we talked about the voice is there's this fine line to walk between um, being, being an ally and, um, y- you know, sort of uh, how do we, how do we describe it? So walking along, walking alongside, but then almost doing too much of the talking, and then not yeah. allowing the um, whatever you know can transpose whatever the the party is that you're trying to help, um, and and allowing them to to do the talking. So it's almost just like just platforming, vacating the space entirely, and just um, not not providing any context at all, and just 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 pushing them. Um, and and sort of just platforming yeah. them. No, look, I know. Um, because this is this is this is what I've seen a lot with a lot of like white allies. If they will they'll write so much in a story that then the um the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice that they're trying to platform actually is um proportionately not appreciated.
1: Yeah, no look, because- absolutely. I I think that's true, but I do think and this is what Celeste Little said in her piece in the Guardian this week is that, you know, activism, as you know, Grace, more than any of us around the table, is hard, exhausting, ongoing work. Um, And so it's all very well for us to sit around and say, oh, the Yes Campaign's doing this wrong. But actually, it's grassroots campaigning that now needs to take over. And hopefully some of that will start from this
4: week. Yeah, because a lot of stuff that makes it into the news, the sign holding, um, you know, and, and, and protesting. And, and, you know, I I have, like, I have a lot of mob friends and I don't mean that to to say that in terms of moral licensing, you know, therefore I get to say this and this, and, you know, because I voted for this person, that means I can say this. Um, I, I know as somebody who also does work that is trauma faced from living lived experience just when the cameras go off that does not mean my protesting turns off either mm. all the hard work continues behind the scenes and that's what grassroots um advocacy and activism quote unquote and a- activism tends to be a dirty word because it's it's sometimes you know and thanks to people like scott morrison who um uh, who, who pooed ad- activism as being you know just something that happens really in the schoolyard which is absolute rubbish um, you know it 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 ha- it ha- is happening constantly behind the scenes in order to create real change um all the way all the way up from the from the bottom to the top and so that's something that you know and and you said this before i think um joe you know like we we need we need to understand that and 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 sometimes that's missed it's not absorbed um, by by the average person who just consumes a sound bite or a headline or even an article that in order to get to that point there was days weeks months yep. behind that
1: so i think everyone go to the s23.com.au website and see where the nearest event happening this sunday july the 2nd is to you because having a really big strong turnout on this sort of first major day of community activism i think is important
0: have a catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well
1: up your point Grace, about all these things that happen behind the scenes and the years of effort and work that can go into getting an outcome. We have seen this week a really interesting development in the Epstein case where it <coughs> seems institutions are finally being held responsible for some of the myriad crimes that were being mm-hmm. really well, that taking place led by Epstein, of course um, but enabled by so many and JP Morgan, Is having to stump up $290 million um, worth of cash as a settlement. Um, That's US dollars, so about 422 million Australian dollars, to Epstein's victims because they turned a blind eye to the money that was flowing in and out of his accounts um, that enabled the ongoing abuse to take place.
4: Correct. So on Monday, a U.S. judge granted preliminary approval to J.P. Morgan Chase's 290 million dollar settlement um, with women who said Epstein abused them, um, and that J.P. Morgan, which is USA's A.'s largest bank, as you said, there was the argument that they didn't just ignore in 2008. Um, there were investigations that were going on into some of the um, uh, the, the findings uh, in in Florida, and JP Morgan continued having Epstein as a client. So these were the, flying, the women, these were the
1: first and really until the, he was a rearrested, these were the only um, charges that had been brought against him uh, on mm-hmm. the issue of child sex abuse and rape uh, and the sweetheart deal was done with the then Attorney General. So he got like kind of...
4: Acosta. Yeah. Acosta. A, a, Alexander Acosta.
1: A rap on the knuckles and got to, you know, day release to go and work in his office. But so even after this had happened, and, and this was the, sort of the turning point in the Epstein case, those who once this had happened... Um, the very, the actually precious few who therefore severed ties, but those who after he had been officially and legally found to be a child rapist continued to befriend him, um, have close ties with him and in J.P. Morgan Chase's case do millions of dollars worth of business with him.
4: Yes, right. Yes, he said Epstein was arguably the front man of a major scheme that clearly involved several... Fail safes and lots of different enablers to allow it to operate for a very long time.
1: And so, part like, of no the small feat. Part of so with, with JP Morgan Chase, um, they continued to have many associations with him because he was making them a lot of money, and he was bringing in other wealthy clients into the bank. But there were, were right. also senior people in the bank, um, and this guy Staley, who was the CEO of the investment bank, seems to be a key person here. Mm
3: -hmm. 1,200 emails they sent between them. Yeah. In the four years that he was at J.P. Morgan apparently.
1: And that – that seemed to be he got more enmeshed within the sexual criminal network than mm. Epstein. So there was the financial networks which a lot of people just wanted the money to rain down upon them. But then there were the darker um, allies, if you like, who were actually, you know, clearly engaging with and involving themselves with the kind of the sexual criminal network that he was fronting.
4: And it's interesting because Jeffrey Epstein was operational in the – Finance world from at least the late mid to late seventies. He started off at Bear Stearns firm and kept some clients there, even though he did some deals that allegedly went wrong. Mm. And he, you know, he moved on from there. And he was it, his finances were being reported on um, by a um, an English journalist, Vicky Ward. Uh, who worked for Vanity Fair in the late '90s, early 2000s, that turn of the century? And she actually stumbled upon um, what is termed colloquially as the "quote unquote" girls um, around that time. And the then editor of the Vanity uh, of, of Vanity Fair, Graydon Carter, I think mm-hmm.
1: his name is. Yeah. No. Definitely. Yeah.
4: Yeah, so he actually uh, made the editorial decision not to go ahead with her allegations. She had the mother of some girls and some girls making that they, they had made disclosures, and they
1: were prepared and to go on the record was, as well. So he, yeah. like Vicky, mm-hmm. at that point had multiple sources who were prepared mm-hmm. to go on the record. Um, That's correct, and instead, That's her version
4: of events. That's the, yeah. Her, that's Vicky Ward's allegation, and this was this was around two thousand and two, two thousand and three, um, I believe. Yeah.
3: 2002. However,
4: yeah. Uh, and Graydon Carter um, made the decision to not publish, and yeah. he alleges that they didn't have enough sources to back up um, the the well to publish. So that was that was you know just after the turn of the century. He was he was under the pump you know there were there were there was information um about what he was doing not just about his dubious financial activities um at that time and vicky so vicky vicky had also been um talking to a man called Stephen hoffenberg who alleges that um he and Epstein had collaborated on the Ponzi scheme that wound up getting Stephen Hoffenberg um, convicted of a criminal offence um, and punished for about 18 years. Mm-hmm. So, so Vicky, Vicky Ward went to visit Stephen Hoffenberg in prison I think it was in Massachusetts, and um, was talking to him about his experience of Epstein. And Stephen Hoffenberg was actually quite enamored of Epstein when he dealt with him, I think, in the um, late 80s, early 90s. And Stephen Hoffenberg was explaining how Epstein's grift, he called it, worked, which involved um, tying in any blackmail that he could get. Mm. On his colleagues or business partners. And he alleges, Stephen Hoffenberg alleges that um, it was Epstein who screwed him over um, while working on this sort of Ponzi scheme of like $450 million worth, which is quite insane. So, in fact, the sexual crimes
1: of Epstein became critical yes. material for him then to use Use in his business dealings with the they sprawling in network. Each other. Yeah, mm. and it's interesting. Like it, it's you know, is great there no honor amongst pedophiles? <laughs> <laughs> And the, the, these stories, it's a bit like, um, you know, NBC spiking Ronan Farrow's stories about Weinstein in the first instance before the New Yorker published them that Graydon Carter would, like the, the profile, I, I remember reading it at the time and I was—I mm. didn't know anything about Epstein um, then and I don't think many people did outside of particular circles and it just sounded, it was this weird kind of profile of just a, a New York kind of businessman um, and how he'd managed to ingratiate himself into all these different sort of social and business business. business and political networks, you think, what's this story? Mm. And it turned out that was the sanitised version of what Vicky Ward had been writing. And I recall reading her talking about how she never felt that she had betrayed sources more than when that story is, because it actually just boosted his profile. It didn't bring him down. It boosted his profile um, and and made him more powerful in those circles.
4: But this is the failure to understand grooming, and I've tried to talk about this for years and years and years, and people are beginning to understand what it really entails. But but grooming is an entire process. It's a stratagem that involves bribery. It involves blackmail. It involves creating this entire orchestra of fail-safes and child sex offenders or offenders will go to any length that they possibly can to create an environment where they are insured against being found out through this system and that's what it is it's an ins- it's a, it's a really complex net of insurance policies mm. so that if they if they crumble So does everybody else who becomes enmeshed in such a complex way that they often don't realize that they've become enmeshed in this sticky spider web Mm. Mm. over time, so gradually it's it's invisible and complicated. And yes, these, you know, you you said it was over thousands that the correspondence was in the thousands of individual mm. Commun- Communication. God, how did he have the time? And so to to pick to, to pick that apart. <laughs> I mean, it's just yeah,
2: just like it. Something with the J.P. Morgan case as well. Is that part of this like finding was that they continued working with him for five years after he'd already pled guilty? Yeah, to crimes, and that they were just deleting some of the emails involved in that where subpoenas were coming in. And it's like so they also were caught in that web. But also when that whole thing of like when things started crumbling, they just committed to trying to. Put the web back up instead of like maybe that's right. like the Labour Party. You just don't change strategy at this point. You're you're all because in because you
4: because you get there's also this in this day and age of surveillance culture of Big Brother having this um you know um omnipresence that you can't extricate yourself from. You even even you know like the the most uh, innocent human being. There's no real such thing. Is is going to is going to Err, uh, uh, at some point. They're going to, they're going to, well, they're going to, they're going to make a mistake. They, you know, we're going to do something that is reactive. And that's, that's how these perpetrators uh, are really good at, Um, espe- and that's why they, they especially go for children. And there's this myth that, that, it, that of minor attraction, which is part of it in some cases. But part of the reason why they go for children is because children have not finished their psychological. Mm. Physical mm. and social development. Therefore, because they are dependents, and what do we mean by dependent? We mean that they are they are literally physically, socially, and uh, neurologically dependent on an adult mm. to for them to model behaviour. And so, when a sexual predator, especially, starts um, doing things. Um, You know, even if it's uh, quote-unquote wrong, a child who hasn't got many other examples, and especially if a a sexual predator starts isolating them from other examples, a child will start self-incriminating. But also so will adults if they're isolated, Mm. if they're under pressure, and if they're being blackmailed. Mm. They will start eventually self-incriminating unconsciously because that is how the unconscious mind works. Mm. We we don't necessarily realise that when we're under pressure, our logical mind disengages, and there are lots of different scientific markers for that. You can measure them in the endocrine system, the hormones, in the soma, in the viscera, and in our cognitive uh, behaviour, in our ability to intellectually reason. And, and you know, the conservative love they say, deal with facts. Well, those are facts. Mm. Those are facts.
1: Yeah. Well, look, I think it is. it's very interesting that now, at this point in time, it seems that institutions are, being held accountable. And when it starts to cost them money, maybe that's when they'll change their behaviours. And so, as part of this settlement with JPMorgan Chase is that they haven't conceded liability, of course. That's why they wanted to have an out-of-court settlement, so there's no judicial enforcement.
4: This is just the beginning. And this is just the beginning. And I find it very interesting that on just the day after... This uh, event, there is this proliferation in the Australian news environment of all this new information about how it was the poor security in the metropolitan correctional centre that um, allowed for Jeffrey Epstein to. Uh, allegedly commit suicide. I find that really interesting. I find that really interesting.
1: So it's kind of deflection. It's anyway. the sawdust in the eyes thing. Oh, look over he- look over here. Of course it is. Where's
4: where's all this coverage about JP Morgan? Because mm, yeah. who else is implicated, considering that JP Morgan is the biggest bank in the United States. Therefore I reckon there are other people who are implicated and we're probably going to find out more about that down the line. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because and- Deutsche
4: Deutsche Bank Deutsche Bank was also there was a seventy five million dollar yeah. um Settlement with Deutsche Bank that was also recent. We didn't hear mm. much about that we didn't either. didn't hear much about yes. that, but, but I didn't know about that until about- reading about this one.
3: And, and look, yep. if, if you want any uh, sort of numbers behind uh, what you're saying, Grace, I just googled Epstein, and it brings up the top stories. There's seven top stories highlighted. Uh, six of them are about this recent thing about cause of death revealed and the jailing thing, and there's one article about the J.P. Morgan one down the bottom, which is the Guardian piece. So I
4: rest my case. Yeah, Yeah.
3: whoever came up with that PR strategy... Deserves a pay rise.
1: Yeah, and probably mm. has got a pay rise yeah. out of um, <laughs> out of Epstein's estate. Well, yeah. look, I think um, there will be more on this to come um, because our intrepid reporter, Grace Tame, is on the case here and there was some really interesting further discussions that we were having before we started recording that we'll come back to um, when we've got uh, it legally vetted.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't so, do it with me on because... I have a track record of not doing things that our lawyers like. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true.
1: Thank you for listening today. Uh, we will be back next week, but in the interim, do not forget this Sunday, first Community Day, Yes 23, head to the website and turn out and do the grassroots work. Don't leave it all to our Indigenous brothers and sisters.
3: Cool. Our gear is from Road, and we are part of the Iconoclast Network. See ya.